0: Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome. We have a great guest today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, Ty Bennett. Ty, welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, it's great to have you here. And Ty's family grew up right here in Colorado, and you live right across the border here now in Utah. Mm-hmm. And we got introduced in, you know, one of my passions is about how do we transform who we are so that we become a leader that actually has A positive influence, a positive impact on every organization that we're part of, that we connect to who we truly are at the core and actually step out into what we were meant to do, what we're called to do into our purpose. And I think when we have that focus to serve others and in doing so, you know, that's when I see amazing things happen in my own life, but it's kind of this, you know, a way to live. Right, that I think really models kingdom leadership, and Ty, that approach I believe has just kind of defined your life and who you are. You and your brother, when you were 21 year old, I think this would be kind of fun for folks out there thinking about getting in, being in entrepreneurship. You guys started a business that you guys built to over 20 million in revenue when you were in your 20s. Then that grew into 37 countries, and then as you moved into that, right, you had this passion for leadership. You founded your company, Leadership Inc. Um, and you guys can go, if you want to check that out, it's com. There's some just great resources there. Ty's written some amazing books. And, you know, one of the big things you do, well, you were voted, what, 40 under 40 and also, what, coolest entrepreneur uh, of the year in Utah. Is that true? Which,
0: which sounds cool until you say in Utah, you know, and yeah. then it kind of loses its luster. I don't know. But uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, the, some fun accolades along the way, right? Yeah. Well, you know what?
1: I'd take that. I haven't been voted coolest anything here in Colorado <laughs> yet. So yeah, I'm just saying, just throwing it up. Yeah. Out
0: there. I don't know what the criteria for that vote was, but I'll take it.
1: <laughs> so, hey, as you're listening, guys, Steve uh, or uh, Ty does a lot of speaking, training, coaching. But the way that he and what you're going to hear, you know, just for uh, some credibility Coca Cola, Subway, Wounded Warrior Project. Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Remax have trusted, and it goes on and on, have trusted Ty to come in and work with his people to change their culture, how people lead, to build teams to communicate better. So we're going to be digging into just some of these great topics. But before we do that, Ty, I'd love for you to share kind of your journey all the way through, you know, starting the company with your brother, up through kind of what's led you to today and why you're doing what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I love how you kind of framed the idea of leadership because you said it very, very well, and that's how I look at it. You know, I talk about what I've kind of defined as relevant leadership. You know, how do you be an impactful leader in today's world? And I think that's the point of leadership is to make an impact because I think about the leaders in my life who have impacted me, and they've changed my life completely. So before I even started that business with my brother, I think, you know, a couple of leaders that had an impact on me and helped shape things. My parents were, uh, you know, I have incredible parents who were very supportive and taught me a lot. But one of the things they always reminded me, it was kind of a saying in our house that where much is given, much is required. And I think, you know, I feel like I've been blessed in my life. I've been given some talents and I've been given you know abilities to be able to to do good things and opportunities to do that and so i've always felt this you know even from a young age this like fire in me to go and make an impact in the world and i the only thing i could say it's based on is you know my parents kind of encouraged that and they pushed that and and then i before my brother and i started our business at age 21 i had a unique experience for 2 years from ni- age 19 to 21 i served a mission for my church and i lived in portugal and I had great experiences serving people in Portugal and getting to know them and teaching them. But I had a chance to work directly with the leader who was kind of over our mission. His name is Ulysses Suarez, and he was an incredible leader who led with love and who taught me how to really lead as much by his teaching as by example. And so, you know, I tried to bring that in as I came home and my brother and I were both studying entrepreneurship. We both had this desire to be entrepreneurs. We started a business together, and we had some great mentors that, you know, some family friends that had been successful that kind of took us under their wing and taught us and coached us along the way. And I think all of those things are extremely important. You know, today, I still have coaches and mentors that I reach out to on a regular basis. You and I, at the beginning of this, before we started to record, you were telling me about a mutual friend, Mark Sanborn, who's been a great mentor. And I think those, finding those people in your life. And, and you know what? The truth is sometimes those mentors come by way of a podcast like this, or by way of books, or by way of whatever it is. I actually was writing this morning about with my kids yesterday, we set up a, I put together a summer reading library and an incentive program for them to read personal development and leadership books. And, They make a little bit of money if they have to read it, and then they're going to record a video review of that book, and then I'm going to post it, just share some content, introduce people to some books, but more for what they're going to get out of it, right? I think those habits of constantly developing yourselves and searching, learning, and mentors, for me, were established at a young age, and it's been so helpful in the process.
1: And I want to back up. I love what you just said. So could you share for your kids what books you put on that list they could choose from?
0: Well, you know, I'm a little bit narcissistic, so I put my own books in there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Good man. But, so Mark Sanborn, who we just mentioned, his book, The Fred Factor. Yep. To be honest, I went through and I was picking out books that I think are foundational, but they're also short enough for, like, my kids are 8, 10, and 13, and so they 8 and 10-year-old You know, the eight year old specifically was like, you know, that's a huge book. And so trying to find some that were easy reads, but kind of story based. I grabbed a lot of parables. So I grabbed The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann.
1: Yeah, I love that one.
0: Great book. I grabbed a couple of John Maxwell books, Developing the Leader Within You, Developing the Leaders Around You. I grabbed a book by a friend of mine named Phil Jones, Exactly What to Say.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great book. We had him on the podcast. He's fantastic.
0: Yeah, he's a stud, and it's simple, easy read, but uh, lots of great content in there. I grabbed a book by my friend Don Yeager called Greatness. He'd be a great guy for you to interview as well. Um, he used to write for Sports Illustrated. Has interviewed athletes all over the world and took sixteen traits that he got out of those interviews, those athletes that as he's asked them, you know, why they succeeded when other people didn't. I grabbed the book, The Last Lecture. I grabbed the book Love Does. I don't know, just a bunch of different books, right? And uh, yeah, tried to find some of the As a Man Thinketh was in there. Some of those that are like foundational, oh yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, some around money, kind of, you know, thinking too, but just trying to put together kind of a good basic, like, let's get this ball rolling. My kids love to read, which is awesome, but you know, adding in the personal development, kind of the develop, you know, the, the growth side of some of the books that they can start putting into their minds.
1: Well, and that's such great mentorship that you're doing for your kid, Ty. And I hope there was some incredible value that was just shared there. And I want to just kind of highlight something. I'll never forget, Ty, when I was getting out of the military, getting into business, I'd never been in business before. I was in my late 20s. And I had a mentor pull me or he was much older than me. And he said, hey, John, where you're going to be in five years, what you accomplish with your life, it's going to be dependent on two things. The first one is the power of association, who you're surrounding yourself with. He goes, that doesn't mean you have to take your current friends and kick them to the curb, but you need to surround yourself with people that are where you want to get to in life. And you have to be a fruit inspector. And what he meant by that is... So search Inspector. Yeah. I never heard that. He goes, hey, you got to look at what they've done financially, but also look at their relationships, their marriages, their relationship with their kids. Because if somebody is very wealthy, but they're on their third wife, well, if you get mentored by somebody like that, don't be surprised if you get the results they got. Because there's a approach to how they develop their wealth that you know has some consequences. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that was powerful. But the other thing he said, it's what you put in your mind. You have to... Take kind of the black coffee that the world, that you've allowed to let the world put in there, and replace it with clean water. And he challenged me to start reading 10 pages a day. So every book you mentioned, except for Greatness, I have read. And I still, to this day, now 25 years later, read 10 pages a day. And I got to tell you, that has absolutely been foundational for me to get through adversity, to follow my dreams, to lead teams, to have a great marriage. Now, I've almost. 30 years. So I would really encourage people out there, if you don't have a reading habit, definitely something you want to do. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree, Ty?
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm similar to you in that, you know, I got through high school almost like not reading a book. I You know, and I had good grades, but I just, if there was a movie option, that was probably the direction I went. It just was not a habit of mine. And then as we started our business, I had mentors who said, I've never heard the fruit inspector thing. I like that. But I had mentors who taught me that you need to put good things in your mind and you need to, you know, spend an hour studying each day and put, you know, reach out, like grow yourself. And I've always loved Jim Rohn's quote that, you know, formal education will make you a living, but uh, continuing education or personal education will make you a fortune. I found that to be true for me. You know, I, I read constantly and, you know, I'm sitting in my home office and, you know, I just pulled, I just went through and pulled a bunch of books off the shelf to put together a list for my kids. But there's literally, you know, a couple thousand books on these shelves of books that I've read over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, because it's a big part of what I do.
1: Yeah, I bet it is now. Okay, so you built this company, you and your brother uh, built a team. So what kind of uh, narrowed your focus into really, you know, what you're doing now really focusing on Developing and equipping, I think, leaders to probably lead in a way that's different than what's been taught to them is my guess, right?
0: Yeah, so my brother and I were building our first company. I found my role in more, more and more, and it was based off of one talent and two passions probably, but my role became – in speaking and training and development and you know working with our team from that standpoint. And, and I just fell in love with that process. I really enjoyed it and I always had this desire to go out and speak and to share some ideas and we would hire speakers to come in and speak at some of our conferences for our sales team. So we brought in different speakers like John Maxwell and uh, Peter Vidmar and Les Brown and all these different speakers over the course of several years and I would take them to dinner and kind of pick their brain and say, you know, how do you get into the speaking world? What do you do? And, you know, what was your path there? And what advice would you give me? And, and so in 2010, I wrote my first book called The Power of Influence and kind of threw my hat in the ring, if you will, to go out and start speaking and sharing a message. And that's developed over the years. So I started a second company called Leadership Inc. And, uh, you know, I do about 100 keynote speeches a year now. That's uh, primarily where I share my message, I host a podcast, I've written four books, I do some coaching and and ongoing consulting for some different companies, but yeah, it's been a fun process for me.
1: I bet now through this journey, what have you learned about yourself personally as you've gone through this whole uh pursuit of a completely new career because there's a lot of people that want to get into what well you can, you know, pick a lane, but speaking training coaching right? That uh, don't get to the top. You're what's called in the speaking world, a CSP, a certified speaking professional. That's less than uh, probably 5% of all the professional speakers even reach that level. So, you know, you set a big mark and you were able to hit it.
0: You asked the question, what have I learned about me? I don't know how long this podcast can go for because I could probably give you a very long list. But, you know, one of the things that was great for me is that the first business we built, I did a lot of speaking, I had a lot of stage time, if you will, and a lot of time to develop content and ideas, because I was training my team. And so I basically had kind of a built in uh, research lab, if you will. And so it allowed me to kind of hit the ground running as a speaker where I, I wasn't starting new, I wasn't starting over, I was almost just kind of taking the next step, if you will. And I think that helped both to be prepared and to have some experience, some stage time, and, and to have some credentials to to get people to listen. But it's been a learning process for sure. Um, you know, I mean, for me, there's lots of things that come into play in, in terms of, you know, learning, creating new systems, learning a, a whole new industry, Right, I think with anything, you have to become a a real student of that industry. And I honestly, as we're going through these books that I was listing, I didn't mean to sound like I was name dropping, but literally those are all friends of mine because in the speaking world, and you you brought up like Mark Sanborn, I've gotten involved in the National Speakers Association. So you get to know a lot of speakers and I'm involved in different mastermind groups. And when I'm speaking on stages with you know, different speakers, I try to see them speak and get to know them at the events. And I host a podcast, so I interview different people on my podcast as well. And so, you know, it's becoming a student of that industry and learning who the players are and seeing what's working, what's not, that taking that approach to where you're. I had a mentor a long time ago who was talking about with our business. He said if if you treat cuz we started our business at 21 part-time while I was going to school full-time. And he said if you treat your business casually, you'll become a casualty. Mm. And I said, well, "Well, what do you mean?" I mean, I'm only doing it part-time and he's like, "I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about commitment." Like those are two different things, right? And And so for me, that's how I try and approach anything in my life. And the same thing with the speaking industry, you know, in my world as a speaker and an author, I try and know, you know, what's going on. It's not that I know everybody or or everybody that's doing great things, but, you know, I'm trying to be fully committed to what it is that I do and trying to do it the best I can.
1: You know, that's an interesting point, right? So that singleness of purpose, that definiteness of purpose which allows you to kind of go through the highs and lows especially as an entrepreneur when you're working with other people helping them to connect you know to that big idea that dream that purpose you know that thing that they want to build what have you seen that has you know the difference between people that kind of connect to that or the people that you know kind of stay in that casual mode
0: you know i think i've seen you know, different things with different people but part of it is their willingness to learn through failure. Today, for whatever reason, like on my mind is how do I take all these principles and apply them to my kids? Because we had a lot of conversation about this yesterday. And so I think about that with my kids. My boys, as an example, they're really into American Ninja Warrior. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've seen. They compete. Actually, one of my kids is going to the nationals in Minneapolis here in July and competing. And I don't care if they ever become great at American Ninja Warrior it's fun but or the my daughter that plays soccer I don't care if she plays soccer in high school or college or whatever it is but what I do care about is that they learn how to push themselves and when they fail know that failure is part of the process and that doesn't stop them but they learn from it and adapt and changing and it better right that's such a key because and it's partly how we view failure cuz you know you told my story in a very nice way right i started a business built it to 25 million started another business and am at my top of game as a speaker and that all sounds fantastic but you're not there every day where you know today i will probably get 3 or 4 speaking engagements that get they choose a different speaker Right. Like that happens daily. That is part of the process. And you could view that as failure. But for me, it's part of the process and we learn from it. And so literally when a bureau sends me an email and says, you know, they went with this speaker, the first thing I will do is Google that speaker. I will look at their video. I will look at their content. I will look at who they are and try and determine, are there things that they're presenting in a better way? Could I up my game? Can I change this? Can I get better, right? I think that's one of those things that we have to learn because failure is going to be a daily process. It is going to be something that we face constantly. And so do we learn from it? Do we get better? And if we can, then I think we can continue to grow and start to reach new levels.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Blinkist is a book summary description that has more than 2,500 titles in their archives. They distill the key thoughts and points into easily digestible 15-minute reads, I just recently read Abundance by Peter Diamandis and was so blown away that I got the book from my local public library and read the entire thing. Others, like Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, I was quite fine with the Blinkist version. Read in their beautifully designed mobile app at their website, export to your Kindle, or listen to the audio version on the go. I prefer to listen while I read along right before I go to sleep. I fell in love with this service last year and turned John onto them in December. You... As a listener have our word that any products or services that John or I advertise on the show we personally use and are not just fans but raving fans. Blink is is definitely in that category. So try it with a seven day free trial. And if you use our affiliate link that's embedded in the summary of this MP3 or at eternalleadership.com slash Blink, it's an easy way for you to help support all the work that Sandra, John, Daisy, Fidias, and myself put into keeping this show going. So please, if saving hours and hours by reading a well-written summary of some of the top books out there sounds like something you'd wanna try for seven days, Click on that affiliate link, eternalleadership.com slash blink. Thanks.
1: Yeah, and that's such a powerful mindset. I love what you said there, right? It's reframing failure as part of the process that equips you to succeed the next time you have an opportunity, and you have to put in the work to make sure that that next opportunity presents itself. Yeah. You know, the book that you you just came out with, because I love this, I'd love to kind of dive into this a little bit partnership is the new leadership. It's the book you've come out with now. And what is the big idea behind this book?
0: So I think our approach to leadership is in most cases, fundamentally flawed because whether you preach this or you just live this, most leaders lead from a position of title or authority. Mm -hmm. That's what they rely on is they, people have to listen. And so That's just how it is. I don't think that works in our world today, I think. And statistics would back up everything that I'm saying. I mean, statistically, if you graduate from college this year, you'll hold over 30 jobs in your lifetime. I mean, it's crazy when you start to think about it. Because of that, that is the mindset and how people approach things. So if they don't like their leadership in a given situation, they're going to leave. They're going to go find a new opportunity because that's the way our world works. That wasn't always the case. Right. So I believe that approaching leadership as a partnership changes the level of commitment that your people show up with. And ultimately, that's what we want.
1: And when you say partnership, what kind of partnership is that, Ty?
0: So I'm not saying partnership in that everything's 50-50 and, you know, everything's the same. I think there's some nuance to it, but it's the best word that I can describe it. Because think about it. If you view your people as partners, it feels very different than if you view them as subordinates. You build different relationships. You give your people a voice, right? I mean, how many leaders just dictate versus understanding the principle that people support what they help create. And so if I give you an opportunity to share your ideas, if you're heard, you take a higher sense of ownership in what it is that we're trying to accomplish. That's commitment, right? That's what I'm after. I think that partnership is about leaders getting in the trenches with their people, I don't think that it's possible for you to be extremely effective on an individual level and understand what's holding certain people back on your team unless you actually dive in with them. And so the hands-off approach to leadership just doesn't really work in the world that we live in. So I think there's nuance to it, but I think partnership, it's an approach where you are trying to create a situation where you're fully committed and your people are fully committed. And because of that, as an organization, you can move forward. That doesn't mean that there's not delineation in roles or that there are specific things that you do that other people don't do. And you may have that position and title and there's things that go along with it. But do your people feel a connection to you? Because I promise you they show up differently if they do.
1: Yeah, and you talked about that transition from subordinate to partnership. That speaks to me about really – making it a priority to develop a actual relationship with the people that are your peers, your bosses, the people that might report to you. It's a shift. And I really think, especially people my generation, I'm 52, Gen Xers, even baby boomers out there, the whole new workforce coming into all of our companies and organizations, what you're talking about, I think is essential of creating actually organizations that are going to succeed, especially the, with the dynamics that are out there right now. I've seen in a lot of organizations, people are kind of reluctant to kind of move toward that mindset of really having, I think, authentic relationships with coworkers, with people that report to them. How do you help people with that shift?
0: That's baffling to me. I totally get what you're saying. But it.
1: I agree. It's baffling to me too, because it's. I think it's probably how you and I are both wired. Yeah, but, but I think working with people. organizations, I do see that mindset more too often.
0: Yeah, and I've called lead, some leaders on it where we'll have real conversations. Say, so, you know, I mean, you don't want to get too close to your people, and does, why? Like, what is that? Well, then they. I mean, what's the end result? They actually know you, that you actually know them. You know what's important to them. You know how to motivate them. You know what's meaningful to them. You know what their goals are. They understand your direction and your vision more clearly, right? I mean, like, that's the end result of building these relationships deeper with your people. And so... I think we have to start to understand the shift. To me, the best approach has come back to this idea of, so what led me to write the book, Partnership is New Leadership, is I asked 5,000 leaders one question, what do you want from your people? Mm. So I came at it from the leadership standpoint, you as a leader, what is your ideal scenario? What do you want? And 76% of the people said commitment. And my takeaway was, okay, then what drives commitment? If you want commitment, here's how you need to show up. Because we can't control everything around us, but we can control how we show up and how we lead. And so here are the things that leaders who generate commitment from their people, here are the things that they're doing. One of those, and foundationally, is they build relationships and connection with their people. Because it is human nature that you show up differently for people you like. You will put more into it because I enjoy you. I will give more to my kids because I love them. I, whatever the situation is, those relationships add to the level of commitment that they bring to the job.
1: And, you know, how does that work in an environment where you have so many people with different backgrounds, different personalities, different mindsets that you're leading, right? There are some people that are easier for us to love, let's for say. sure. And there's others that are, you know, for maybe how I'm wired, it's really challenging for me to have that same approach with somebody else. So, you know, if you just describe and say, hey, okay, I want more commitment. I'd like to build some relationships. There's some people in my world that, man, it's been a struggle for me.
0: Yeah. And so I think a couple of things, I think we have to recognize that leadership is individual. It's not collective, right? And you hit the nail on the head when you said you look at a team and you don't have 25 people on a team. You have 25 individuals that make up a team And each of those individuals are very different, and those relationships are on an individual basis, right? So you've got to reach out and try and connect individually with those people as much as possible, and there are inevitably going to be some people that you connect with easier, they're more like you, you have common interests, you know, whatever the situation, your personalities mesh, those things happen. I do think that as a leader, it's important for us to put in the effort into those relationships that may not be as much, recognizing what they are. But one of the things I teach leaders is to invest in your people. Now, I don't mean that from a monetary standpoint. I think investments often are simple and easy things, but it's reaching out in ways that are meaningful. It's going above and beyond. And I challenge leaders that I work with to invest in one person every day, to consciously make that, uh, here's who I'm going to invest in. What I would tell you is if there's people on your team who you know that you maybe don't connect with as well or you struggle to, is that you have to make a conscious effort to invest in them maybe even more. Because the more you put into it, here's one thing I've found about service and about how you reach out to people, is there are people that you may not know or connect with that well, the more you serve them, the more you do for them, the more you begin to love them. I think it's a principle. I think it's just how it works. You know, outside of a work environment, I have had people who I've gone and served and done some stuff for that these people would never be my friend in a normal situation, right? But you just build a connection and a love for who they are because you've gone above and beyond in that capacity. So I think we have to put in the effort. I think if we invest in people in some of those relationships that are harder, we start to see them a little bit differently. Maybe we recognize some of those things. Maybe we get their full story and we start to understand them a little bit better. But, you know, all of those things start to build a little bit more connection over time.
1: Yeah, and in doing so... I think people underestimate the influence and the impact you can have in an organization when you actually start to change personally. Because I believe that inner game is completely determines that outer game, whether it's for tangible sure. business results, your relationships, are people excited to come into work on Monday morning because they know you care. And one of the things that you stated, and I'd love for you to unpack this, is that transformation doesn't occur without leadership. And when you said that, what kind of transformation are are you uh, referring to?
0: Well, I think you could probably take it to any transformation. If you specifically look at organizational transformation, I mean, you look at all of the organizations that have changed, grown, developed, who are competing at really high levels, go dive into it. And somewhere there is strong leadership that's driving it. Now, I'm not saying that leadership always comes from the top because sometimes it doesn't, but there's strong leadership that is driving that and a level of commitment that's coming out of that, but on an individual basis, on a family basis, right? So it was interesting. My wife has a cousin who came over to visit with her yesterday, and she is going through a major life transformation. She's lost almost a hundred pounds. She's in this journey of transforming herself in the process of that is working on not just the physical, but the emotional and some of the things that, you know, have led to, uh, you know, some of the place where she's at, but I look at her and to me, she's a total inspiration of that is personal leadership. She made a decision to step up and to change and to put in work and to do things that are uncomfortable and to learn and to grow and to expose herself to new mentors and new examples. And, that's what transformation is, right? And it starts with that leadership.
1: That's really powerful. So when I'm looking at a transformation that needs to occur, and you talked about the team, right? It's not a group of people. It's individuals that make up that team. I think that's a a valued perspective, right? To start looking at it that way. What does it take to actually start creating those partnerships and making that transformation, let's say, on a team that somebody is leading right now that really starts to move an organization in a new direction, a better direction?
0: I think it takes uh, one of the things, especially when a team feels kind of stagnant. I think a lot of times we're stuck in that situation. I, I'm sure you've seen this. We've all probably experienced it where we know change needs to happen, but we're all kind of just where this is how it operates. This is what we do. This is you know where we're at. And nobody seems to push and change the mold, right? And so we just kind of keep going along. I'm a big fan of having real and sometimes hard conversations, right? I think it starts with that. And there's somebody on that team that has to say, hey guys, is this it? Is this, this, like, do we have more in us? Is this, can we do, and start the conversation to say, you know what, can we change? Can we do this? And you know, in those conversations, sometimes people are going to come along and sometimes they aren't. But I think it gives you then the leeway to start to change individually. And I've often talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who will say, you know, like, my spouse isn't completely on board with this or that kind of thing. And there is a reality to the fact that results speak very loudly. And so there's sometimes that as an entrepreneur, we can only sell the dream for so long, right, to our significant other. And at some point, we have to actually make money with that business for them to see, okay, this is going to work, right? And it'd be great if that's – and I I give that example because if somebody on that team starts to change and results follow, then people see that and they start to migrate towards that. Because people want results. They're going to see that things are working. If all of a sudden somebody on the sales team changes their approach and they start getting a lot better results and they're selling way more than everybody else – People are going to notice and they're going to want to see what's going on and they're going to want to adapt accordingly. And so I would say one is having the real conversations around it. And two is somebody on that team taking the lead and starting to change the approach. And as results happen, most of the time the team will follow.
1: Yeah. You know, if you actually look at because I've done a lot of study and research on movements, revivals, cultural change it only takes about 3 to 5% of people to transform an entire culture. People that do take some personal change, maybe solicit some personal feedback, and then incorporate that. Maybe work with a mentor to say, man, I'm struggling with actually making some of these changes to show up a little bit differently. But it doesn't take a lot of people to then influence an entire organization. But the flip side of that, Ty, is... It only takes three to five percent of the people in an organization to constantly be throwing hand grenades and hold that culture hostage also. So we kind of have to, you know, encourage the growth side of things and also deal with some of the people that are maybe holding that culture back. What I found, you know, to do that well takes us being open to those, maybe not the difficult conversations we need to have with others because those need to occur, but maybe hearing some of the things that we don't want to hear and sure. getting good at actually hearing some of that feedback, some of those crucial conversations.
0: That's hard, right? Cause our egos get in the way and uh, you know, it's hard to be receptive to that. But I also think that's a skill that can be learned because I've watched myself at like, if I'm prepared for that and really focused on what's important I'm more receptive. I'm less defensive. I'm, you know, open to uh to some of that feedback. But that's not an easy thing because our egos are uh constantly trying to sabotage us, I think.
1: Yes, they sure are. Now the book is partnership is the new leadership, and it's on Amazon, it's on your website. What's your website
0: again? Just my name, TyBennett.com. And um, yeah, that's probably the easiest place to go find it.
1: Okay. TyBennett.com. And that's T-Y-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. Everybody can connect with uh, Ty and man, you're on everything. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You're kind of all over the place. You're (laughs) you're good at this. So, you know, just as we kind of wrap up, Ty, I'd love, what are just some of your final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody out there listening to the conversation so far?
0: Well, I love the conversation we've been having. And to me, A lot of it comes back to to this idea that I think you said it basically this way is that leadership is kind of an inside out process, right? Jim Rohn, probably his most famous quote in my mind was he would say, for things to change, you have to change. And for things to get better, you have to get better. To me, that is the awesome part of leadership. I personally believe that this life, the purpose of this life is about growth. Mm. It's about us becoming more, developing a relationship with God, serving others, connecting, and becoming better. That's what I love about leadership, is it pushes you, it stretches you, it makes you grow and change and develop if you're going to have the kind of impact that as leaders we should have. And so to me, that's what leadership is. It starts with us. It's an inside-out process. And for things to get better, you have to get better.
1: Yeah, and um, what I have found is when people just make that small step forward and they just get a little bit better themselves, a little bit better taking feedback, working on some of these things that create the personal change. When you're in that place, you can then help others maybe make that next small step in their life. For sure. Because I think, yeah, you have to lead yourself. I think to have to be the kind of person that others want to follow because I love John Maxwell's definition of leadership, right? It's if you have a positive influence on other people and the people around you they have to look at you and want to be influenced by you because they know you they like you they trust you for that to happen so i think you know unless you're working on yourself if you're growing and changing that is going to what's going to allow you to be an effective leader wherever you find yourself
0: yeah i agree very well said
1: Awesome, Ty. Well, it's great to have you on and uh, keep up the great work out there. And I look forward to our, our next conversation, my friend.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. You're doing a good thing. Thanks, buddy. You too. All right, bye.